In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Today's scripture readings are a good reminder for us that all the good that we do, all the good that we seem to do in our lives, has its source in the power and the working of Almighty God in, with, and through us. It doesn't come of us because Christ himself tells us, without me you can do nothing. But conversely, he also says, with God nothing is impossible. St. Paul says, I can do all things in him who strengthens me. These sayings are more than poetic lines to inspire us with religious sentiment. They are truths revealed by God and therefore eminently practical for our spiritual advancement. The attitude of humility which colorized St. John the Baptist should be that of each and every one of us if we hope to advance in virtue. And not only fictive and apparent virtue, but real strong and true virtue, which is always founded on humility. Oftentimes, we can become attached to that which is apparent, to the neglect of that which truly subsists and exists in itself underneath. This is especially true in personality cult. We can sometimes become very attached to a particular priest or a particular ecclesial figure or a particular ecclesial movement or idea. And we can lose sight of Jesus Christ, from whom alone we have our salvation and in whose eyes alone we stand judged. If Christ be for us, who can be against us? But if Christ be against us, who will be our advocate? Christ is our advocate with the Father, and he is also our judge. And therefore we should strive earnestly and zealously to please Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. For at the hour of our judgment, we will stand all alone before his tribunal and render an account of our every idle word. Of our, of our every thought, word, deed, and omission of our life. This leads us to another consideration taken from the gospel where our Lord loosed the string of the man's tongue, the mute, and he opened his ears. Often it would be better to ask the Lord to string up our tongues rather than to loosen them because we often sin by wagging our tongues where they ought not to be employed. And we often are deaf to the words we should be attentive to while being very attentive to matters which are of no value for our salvation. We should make it a habit to listen twice as much as we speak. God gave us two ears but only one mouth. And this is also to teach us nothing that God does is in vain. This is to teach us the importance of listening before we speak, of loading our brain before we fire out our mouth. Becoming an expert on everything and opining on everything can often lead us into trouble. And not only temporal trouble, but above all spiritual trouble. 
the type of trouble that offends God. We were created to know, to love, and to serve God in this life and to be eternally happy with him in the next. And God has revealed the manner in which we must do this. It is by imitation of our blessed Lord Jesus Christ. Imitation of Jesus Christ is what ultimately matters. It's not being a sectarian partisan of this personality or that, this priest or that, this pope or that, but rather of following the divine master of whom we are all servants and before whom we are all brethren. When the disciples disputed amongst themselves when Jesus told them that this very night he would be betrayed into the hands of sinners, we read that their immediate reaction was to begin debating among themselves who was the greatest. It seems very almost cynical that their master tells them he's going to be betrayed into the hands of sinful men, and they begin to argue who has precedence over the others. This is not only the apostles' problem, though, it's also our own problem. Every time we sin, we betray Christ into the hands of sinful men. And Christ warns us through the voice of our conscience when we are to sin, what we are to avoid, what we are to do. But so easily we stifle our conscience and we do what we wish because it's convenient for us. It flatters our ego. We find a pretext. We convince ourselves, listening to Satan, that it's not so bad after all. And then we allow Christ to be turned in derision and made a mockery in our hearts. And this ought not be so. We who have been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, we who receive from this common treasure of our Holy Mother Church's storehouse, should in turn love each other and love Christ with all our hearts. We shouldn't exist as selfish, spoiled children. But often we know we fall again and again into the same sins. And God is infinitely patient with us, but his patience is not without limit in a certain sense. In himself, he is infinitely merciful, but insofar as he exercises mercy to this or that individual, there is a finite period of mercy given to us after which comes the judgment. And after judgment, there is no mercy. There is only justice. So we should try to imitate our blessed Lord, who today charged that this man he healed tell no one. But rather than obeying the Lord, the man continues to spread abroad this miracle when Christ wished to give us an example of humility. After the miracle of the multiplication of the fishes and loaves, Christ had to flee because they wished to make him king. Christ didn't seek his own glory. He sought to do the will of him who sent him. John the Baptist said, he must increase, but I must decrease. Christ himself only sought the glory of his Father, and we should only seek the glory of God and the salvation of our neighbor. We should seek to purge from our hearts the inordinate attachment that they have to their own will, to their own ideas. Of course, our ideas have to be from God and of the true faith. But nevertheless, we should not use the true faith as a pretext for violating the precepts of charity. We are and must sometimes resist those who
abuse the true faith, who insinuate heresy and error into the true faith on whatever level it might be. We were given an example in the books of the New Testament when St. Paul tells us that he resisted Cephas to his face because he was to be blamed, we read. He didn't say, because I am St. Paul, I resisted him to his face. He didn't say, because I am extremely holy and will be a pillar of the Catholic Church, I resisted him to his face. He said, because he was to be blamed, I resisted him to his face. This is to show that no matter the authority of the one doing something wrong, all Christians have a duty to stand in the truth, to stand for the truth. It's not because you are holy that you're called to bear witness to the truth. You're called to bear witness to the truth because that will make you holy. It is part of our duty. Each and every Christian by his baptism renounces Satan and all his allurements, all his evils, all of his snares. And even if a pope, a cardinal, a bishop, a priest, even if one of your parents were to lead you astray, you have the duty to gently but firmly stand in the truth of Jesus Christ. Because, again, our allegiance is not to any given pope, to any given bishop, to any given priest, but to Jesus Christ, our divine master, whose truth abides forever. Popes have made mistakes in the past, bishops make mistakes all the time, and priests make them even more than bishops. But Jesus Christ is infallible in his truth, and St. Paul tells us in today's epistle, I have preached to you that which I have also received and wherein you stand. The basis upon which we can know whether something is of God or is not of God is whether we have received it through the apostolic tradition that goes back to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ confided the church with a double source of revelation. One is sacred scripture and the other is sacred tradition. And from these two sources we receive everything that we have in our faith. And it is sufficient for us to hold fast to that which we ourselves have received to remain united to, to the unity of faith and the unity of charity of the Catholic Church. But the manner that we do this must always be one of great reverence, of great obedience, and it should cause us much pain when we are constrained at times to resist that which is evil coming from above. If the government forces things on us which are contrary to God's law, not only is it virtuous for us to resist such edicts, it is necessary. But we shouldn't revel in it like a bunch of anarchists. It should cause Christians pain when things are so upside down that they are trying to impose evil ideologies on children, for example, or to usurp the rights of individuals to their confidentiality between them and their doctors. The government is not your doctor, and you have a right under the law of confidentiality between your doctor and yourself. Doctor-patient privilege. Joe Biden and the governor of Pennsylvania, they are not your, they're not your attending physician. If they ask you about your medical status, you are within your rights to send them to your lawyer or to your doctor, and your doctor can't say anything, and your lawyer can explain to them the rules that were written for a reason. Without rules, 
society collapses. And so we should be grateful that at least to this point we do we live in a rule-based ordered society where we have certain mechanisms that protect us from evil men. St. Thomas More in A Man for All Seasons said that he would give the devil himself the benefit of the law for his own sake, for Thomas's own sake, because once all of the laws of the land were eradicated in order to get the devil and the devil turns on him, what would he protect himself with if not the law? We have laws, and a lot of times in the frenzy going on in our country, we forget their value. God is the source of all legitimate law. And if a law goes against God, if a law goes against nature, then it is no law. It is an unjust edict which must be resisted or ignored. That's St. Thomas Aquinas tells us that. In order to be a valid law, it must be promulgated by the one who has care of the community. It must be in view of the common good. And it must be duly promulgated. That means promulgated according to the legal measures required to establish it as an, um, a legal statute, a legal binding law in our land. So let us seek to be more like our Lord, to be humble of heart, to feed our mind with his truth before we shoot out with our mouths. We cannot give that which we ourselves have not received. If you don't spend much time in the presence of Jesus Christ, in studying your holy Catholic faith, you should really spend a lot less time telling other people what they should be doing because you are like a blind guide leading the blind. There are very many blind guides today offering their services to lead people to who knows where, and unfortunately there are very few who are sincere in seeking the will of God and to lead souls to eternal life. Let us pray for an increase in the virtues of prudence, of temperance in the use of our tongues, in eagerness to hear the word of God and to keep it so that we may be worthy instruments of the Lord God of truth. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.